Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Chad Goucher is a preacher friend of mine in Phoenix, Arizona. And he's become a very good friend over the past five years. In fact, when we took Drew to college in Phoenix four years ago, we actually stayed with Chad and his wife, Melissa, for several days. And we've, we've discovered, over the years, really, we've discovered that we have so much in common. I mean, we were, we were both born in Oklahoma, born and raised in Oklahoma. We're both big-time Oklahoma Sooners football fans. We both planted brand-new churches. Janice and I planted Crossroads Christian Church in Joliet, Illinois, in 2007, Chad and Melissa planted the Refinery Christian Church in Goodyear, Arizona, two years later. The church we planted was the second fastest growing independent Christian church in America in 2018, running between 1,000 and 2,000 people in attendance, and the church they planted in Arizona was the fastest growing independent Christian church in America in 2019, running between 1,000 and 2,000 people in attendance. In 2017, we completed this big, mega, multi-million dollar church building project. And in 2018, they completed this big, mega, multi-million dollar church building project. And these were incredible experiences, by the way, but incredibly stressful as well. And during that stressful season of of building that building, I woke up most nights, it would be around 2 a.m., I would wake up, I would have all this anxiety, I couldn't sleep, I put on an extra 20 pounds during that season, I honestly felt just pretty awful, but once our building was completed, felt better, shed the weight. Chad also experienced all kinds of anxiety and then health problems during their building project, but, but his health problems really just spiraled and became much more problematic, and he developed an autoimmune disease, and his body started attacking his lungs to the point that still to this day, his lungs only function at about 30% of what they should, even though they've tried numerous medical treatments to help him. And barring a miracle, medical or otherwise, he's going to need a lung transplant someday. And when I spend time with him, it's so apparent that he's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's obvious that he's in pain. And when he can't catch his breath, there are moments he's even fearful for his life. And one time we got him laughing so hard, he nearly died. No, really, true story. And yet he preaches three times a weekend. He goes in his office between services to take breathing treatments in between his sermons. He spends several days every week in the doctor's office receiving infusions necessary for him to recover. Chad posts these videos, these updates on social media about his ongoing health conditions. He's he's always asking for prayer, but then he's always making jokes and he's showing off his silly socks. Silly socks are his thing. But then he's always hashtagging on his social media posts, he's hashtagging putting joy on the calendar. And I talk to Chad every couple of weeks and we often text each other on Saturdays throughout the Sooners football games. And and we've gone to several conferences together over the past few years and I have yet to hear him complain. I mean this year about Sooners football program. But other than that, I have never heard him complain. I have never heard him be negative. 
I have never once heard him blame God. All he does is praise God and ask for prayer and encourage the heck out of me. And whenever I ask him if he's okay, he always has the same reply. He says, bro, I'm putting joy on the calendar. Now he's got preaching three sermons a weekend on his calendar and he's, sometimes he's got daily doctor's appointments on his calendar and he's got sermon research and he's got church leadership on his calendar. He's got extended family commitments. He's got immediate family commitments on his calendar and so he is just making sure with all the stuff he has to balance in his life that he is intentionally and strategically putting joy on the calendar. Well, some of you uh, grew up in faith traditions that celebrate Advent. Any of you? Uh, yeah, a lot of you, actually. Well, I grew up in a faith tradition that could almost be described as anti-tradition. I, I mean, we would say if we don't see him doing it in the Bible, then we don't do it either. And so we didn't grow up celebrating Advent. Now, we did celebrate Christmas, but not Advent. Rarely have I, I ever lit an Advent candle. Rarely have I ever followed an Advent calendar. And to be honest, until a few years ago, I honestly had heard of Advent, but I had no idea what it was. Now, the word Advent comes from a Latin word meaning coming, and it originally referred to the anticipation early Christians had for the second coming of Jesus, which they hoped would be in their lifetime. Over time, however, Advent shifted more from an anticipation of the second coming of Jesus to a celebration of the first coming of Jesus, the, the nativity. Christmas. And so Advent season begins four Sundays before Christmas, and today starts the first week of Advent. Next Sunday, the second week of Advent, the following Sunday, third week of Advent, Sunday before Christmas, the final week of Advent. And each Sunday, those who celebrate Advent, they light a candle representing the, the spiritual, the, the feelings, the emotions, the, the experiences that we have during the Christmas season. And in most faith, faith traditions, those feelings are hope, faith, joy, and peace. Today we lit a candle celebrating the hope we have in Jesus. Next week we'll light a candle celebrating the faith we have in Jesus. The following week, the joy we have in Jesus. The Sunday before Christmas, we'll light one celebrating the peace we have in Jesus. And on Christmas Day, we'll light the final candle representing the birth of Jesus the light of the world. But what's really compelling to me isn't so much the lighting of the Advent candle, but the following of an Advent calendar. In fact, we have made an Advent calendar available for you and for your family through our Church Center app, which you can access through the barcodes on the back of your pews. An Advent calendar provides daily devotions designed to deepen our anticipation, to ignite our joy during the Christmas season. During Advent, what we are doing, very literally, like my friend Chad, we are putting joy on the calendar. And I just think that's so important. I mean, I don't know about you, but, but my December calendar, like I just looked at it the last week, my December calendar is packed. Like I'm already looking at my December schedule and I'm wondering where am I gonna find all the time for all the things? Anybody with me? 
Not, not only do we have our normal worship services and ministries that we do every week at FCC, but then we also have our, our staff Christmas party coming up, and, and that's right after we just finished all of our Thanksgiving initiatives. And, and of course, we also have our first family Christmas concert coming up, as well as multiple Christmas Eve services. And then this year, unlike most other years, Christmas Day is actually, I don't know if you found this out yet, but it's on a Sunday. And so we're gonna have Sunday Christmas services too. But then at home, of course, we've had to, I'd like to say we've had to decorate our house, but the fact is we just started and there's a lot to go and, and we've gotta get the kids to the end of their semesters at school and we, we still have all of, almost all of our Christmas shopping to do and, and, and we have to make time for family and not only that, basketball season just kicked off for my son Jake and so he's got practice every day and he's got games a couple of days a week and I just gotta tell you, it's all so crazy busy that if we don't intentionally put joy on the calendar, then it's gonna be hard to experience the joy of Jesus this Christmas. Instead, we'll experience anxiety, stress, pressure, hurriedness, frustration, getting snippy with family, and we don't wanna get any of that. And so I want you to get those Advent calendars from our Church Center app with daily devotional thoughts designed to help Put joy on your calendars, deepening your anticipation of Christmas. But the other thing we wanna do to help you experience joy this holiday season is we wanna preach through the book of Philippians. And there are four chapters in the book of Philippians, but honestly, there's just one theme, one big idea in the book of Philippians, and that is the joy we have in Jesus. And I think it's an interesting thing theme since Paul wrote the book of Philippians from prison. Now, I know we, we've been through some tough stuff, right? I mean, first of all, there was a global pandemic and now a historic hurricane, but Paul had been through some tough stuff too. Paul was in prison for sharing his faith. And from that prison, he wrote the books of Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians, and Colossians, and we call them books, but they're not actually books, they're actually letters to the churches Paul planted in those regions. In each letter that he wrote, it has different instructions and different themes written to different audiences with different problems. In fact, sometimes we, we make a mistake when we think all of those instructions apply to all of us all the time. Rather, Paul gives specific instructions that apply to specific churches, and that's important to understand, but the themes and the theology contained in those letters transcend those churches and speak to us as well. And one of the themes we see in the book of Philippians that transcends the Philippian church and speaks to us today is the theme of joy. The joy we have in Jesus. Paul uses the words joy and rejoice more than any other word in the letter to the Philippians. Philippians chapter one, verse four, he says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. In Philippians 1.18, he says, I will continue to rejoice. In Philippians 1.25, he says, I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy. Philippians 2.18, he says, you should be glad and rejoice with me. Philippians 2.29 says, welcome him in the Lord with great Joy. Philippians 3.1, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. This is a safeguard for you. In Philippians 4.1, Paul 
actually refers to the Philippian church, to the Philippian Christians as his joy and his crown. Philippians 4.4 concludes, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Now the words joy and rejoice come from the Greek words Cairo and kara, which means to be delighted, to be glad, to be pleased, but then very specifically to be eager. The biblical idea of joy is the feeling you get when you get to see a loved one you haven't seen in a while. You know, whenever I go on long trips, right before I get home to see Janice, I get all these, these funny feelings in my belly. I get these, these knots in my stomach because I'm, I'm so excited to see her. What is that? That's, that's joy. That's the feeling associated with the Greek word for joy. A while back when our son Drew landed at the airport, he'd been away for quite a while, for a number of months. He'd been at college and, and so he was flying home and we went to pick him up. And when our daughter Ella saw him standing on the curb for pickup, just when she saw him, we were driving up, she made this happy screeching sound. What is that? That's joy. That's what the biblical word for joy means it's delight, it's gladness, it's anticipation. It's often used to describe the feelings we have before welcoming home a loved one. And aren't those precisely the feelings we get around Christmas time if we're tuned in? Remember being a kid, waking up on Christmas morning, anticipating. That's joy. We're eager for it. We look forward to it. Our anticipation builds. We get these, these butterflies in our stomach. That's joy. And so we want to get tuned into joy as we anticipate the celebration of Advent, the, the coming of Jesus, specifically the first coming of Jesus, the, the nativity, Christmas. And we're going to do so by studying the book of Philippians. And today we're discussing the joy we have in sharing Jesus from Philippians 1. Next week we'll discuss the joy we have in imitating Jesus from Philippians 2. After that we'll discuss the joy we have in celebrating Jesus from Philippians 3. And the final week we'll discuss the joy we have in thanking Jesus in gratitude from chapter 4. And that brings us to our big idea for today. In this insanely busy holiday season we can find joy by sharing Jesus with others. In all of the holiday insanity, we can find joy. We can find delight, gladness, pleasure, eagerness, anticipation in sharing Jesus. Well, that being said, let's dig into Philippians chapter one. We're starting in verse three, and I just wanna read this for you. I want you to listen for the evidence of joy in Paul's life as he writes to the Philippian Christians. Verse three. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. Now here Paul talks about the joy we just described, the loving affection he has in his heart when he thinks about the Philippian Christians, the longing he has for them, the anticipation of wanting to see them again. Obviously the Philippians, they were, they were very special to Paul. We mentioned this earlier, but in Philippians chapter four, he calls them this particular church, these particular Christians, he calls them his crown. Now, most of Paul's letters were written to churches to correct some theological error or to address some sin or struggle they were battling within the church. For instance, Paul wrote to the Roman church to address the division between the Gentile and the Jewish Christians. At the time of the writing, there was an influx of Jewish people into the city of Rome, and the Gentile Christians didn't want the Jews around. And Paul hears about this, and so he writes this letter to them, and he's like, wait, are you kidding me? Racism in the church? Come on, guys, that's not our way. And then he took them through all this incredible theology about Jesus to correct their beliefs that some ethnicities are better than others. And then Paul wrote to the Corinthian church because there, there was unaddressed sexual sin in the church. When Paul hears about it, he's like, guys, really? Come on, even the pagans don't do that. What are you thinking? And then Paul wrote to the Galatian church, which, which was kind of having the opposite problem of the Roman church. In Galatians, uh, they, the Gal in Galatia, they were saying to the Gentiles, well, you have to become a Jew first in order to become a Christian second. Like you have to follow all the Old Testament laws in order to find New Testament grace. And Paul hears about that. He's like, are you kidding me? That's not Christianity at all. And then Paul wrote to the Ephesian church because at least it seems like their behavior wasn't matching up with their beliefs. Revelation chapter two says they had lost their first love and, and well, we know that's not good. And then Paul wrote to the Colossians because they were teaching some very strange things about Jesus and, and Paul was like, wait, wait, what? That's not who Jesus is. You guys are supposed to be Christians. Do you even know who Jesus is? And then Paul writes to the Philippian church and he's like, and we just read, he's like, you guys, you make me so happy. Every time I think about you, every time I pray for you, you're in my heart. You bring me so much joy. When I get out of prison, I'm coming straight to you. And, and I might be exaggerating a little bit for effect, but you get the point. Paul had such a deep, joyful affectionate connection to the Philippian Christians. And throughout this letter, what he's doing, he's just sharing all the different things that make him happy. And the Philippian Christians are first on his list. And I think there's a lesson there. When things are hard, when you're struggling, when the world seems to be crashing in on you, if you need a dose of joy, you need to connect with the people you love. And the Philippians 
for the people Paul loved. And of course, he, he loved all the other churches he started to, but the Philippians seemed to be exceedingly special to him. They had this unique partnership, and he, he, he mentioned it in the verses we just read, this partnership in sharing Jesus with others that was profound and unique. And so connecting with the people he loved brought Paul joy. But, but so did sharing Jesus with the people he loved. In fact, the privilege of sharing Jesus, who he is, what he does, the love God has for us, the way he, he draws us to himself, the way he saves us, sharing Jesus with others gave Paul more joy than perhaps anything else. Indeed, there is a deep joy for the Christ follower who, a deep joy reserved for you when you share Jesus with the people around you. Let's continue reading Philippians 1, verse 12 and following. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Oh, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. And yes, I will continue to rejoice. Well, Paul continues his personal testimony. He's in prison. He might be executed if he's guilty, if he's found guilty of breaking Roman law. And there appears to be some rival preachers who are jealous of him and stirring up trouble for him. And that just sounds kind of petty, doesn't it? Christian rivalries? Christian leaders envious of others' influence? Christian workers working against each other instead of with each other? Well, that will actually be a theme that shows up later in the letter. But for now, Paul is simply sharing some of the struggles he's facing, struggles that, that could certainly get him down, struggles that would warrant scaring him or giving him deep anxiety, struggles that could frustrate him or depress him or, 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 or perhaps even defeat him. And, and I'm not suggesting that he doesn't feel all those things, but I'm seeing how he addresses those fears and those anxieties. And he does so in a number of ways. And we already mentioned he does so by connecting with people he loves but he also does so by finding purpose in his struggles. He says, I'm in prison, in prison, in chains, but God is using my incarceration to advance the gospel among my guards. Paul's like, yeah, I'm in chains, but, but guys, this is really cool. I have a captive audience. I'm telling them about Jesus. And there's another, another lesson there for us too. If you wanna find joy in seasons of struggle, then find a purpose in your pain. Of course, one of the great purposes for our struggles is to create an opportunity for us to share the hope we have in Jesus with others. 
Years ago, when, when John Piper was diagnosed with cancer, he wrote a, a really profound article that has a simple title, and the simple title was, Don't Waste Your Cancer. Where he basically said he was using his cancer diagnosis as an opportunity to share the hope he has in Jesus with others. And again, that's like my friend Chad, and in a chronic battle for every breath, in a chronic battle for his life, he sees that as another opportunity to share the faith he has in God and the hope he has in Jesus with others. And that helps him put joy on the calendar. All our Christmas sermon series this year is all about discovering how we can put joy on the calendar post-pandemic, post-hurricane, hustle and bustle all around us. How do we find joy smack dab in the middle of our frenetic holiday pace? Find a way to connect with others. Yep. Find a purpose in your season of pain. That too. But here's our takeaway for today. Find a way to share Jesus with others. Find a way to share your faith this holiday season. The E in our ABCs of discipleship, which is our path to spiritual growth here at FCC, the E stands for evangelism. It stands for enthusiastically sharing your faith. Find a way to share Jesus with others. So, well, how do we do that? Well, the answer is in as many ways as possible. Seize every opportunity. Share Jesus with, with words of encouragement to discourage people. Perhaps with, with curious questions for those who are spiritually confused. Share Jesus with touches of affection or gifts of generosity. Share Jesus with an offering of time, quality time given to, to people who need it. Share Jesus with acts of service. Bless somebody by doing good deeds for them. Or maybe share Jesus just by inviting someone to one of our Christmas Eve services. You know, one of the things that gets us really excited at FCC is, is when we get to see the spiritual light bulb come on for someone. When you're there for that moment when they realize just how much God loves them and how profoundly God draws them and how relentlessly God pursues them. And I'm just saying, if you don't know that feeling, like that is the best feeling in the world when you see the spiritual light go on for someone. Pastor Jimmy is gonna share an incredible story about that in a few minutes. But we gain so much joy when God uses us to connect the dots for someone else. And we would love for you to experience that kind of joy this holiday season, the joy of allowing God to use you, whether he's using your pleasure or your pain to draw others to himself, when God uses you to help people realize how much he loves them. If we're gonna put joy on the calendar this holiday season, we need to be intentional about seeing this season as another incredible opportunity to enthusiastically share our faith with others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so deeply drawing us so profoundly and pursuing us so relentlessly. Please use us, whether you're using our pleasure or our pain, use us to draw others to yourself. 
We thank you for Jesus who lived, who died, who rose again to give us all the things we celebrate in Advent. Hope, joy, faith, and peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.